All right. I'm Teresa. And I'm Heather. And you are listening to I'm Having an Episode, and this is the bonus episode, which I still haven't figured out if I want to call it a minisode or a bonisode. I kind of like bonisode better because it sounds like bone, like skeleton bones. So bonisode. I like bone better. So I think we're going to say bonisode. I've liked it more anyway. And Heather's going to do this week. I don't remember what I did last week. It has been a long month already. <laughs> and it's only the ninth. <laughs> it says a lot. Alright. Heather is gonna do trick or treating and kind of the history and what the whole thing of that is. So join us and have an episode because I am clearly not gonna make it through this month. Alright. Well, hello. It's Heather. Today, as Teresa said, I'm going to talk about trick or treating. So where did it come from and why do we hand children candy? Uh, if kids especially, were, what? especially when we are like, hey, don't take candy from strangers. But except for this one day of the year, walk up to a stranger's house and take candy. Indeed. We're actually going to kind of talk about that, too. That's kind of brought up in trick-or-treating history um so trick-or-treating kind of the start of it was from uh the celts and um basically at the end of their year um people would dress up as evil spirits uh because their belief was that uh when the year turned over there was an overlap between the dead and the living so in order to protect yourself from the demons and, you know, spirits that were roaming the earth, um, at that time, people would dress up as demons. And that was pretty much so that you were in camouflage. And then the demons wouldn't bother you because you looked like a demon yourself. And wouldn't stick to you. Exactly. So as the Catholic Church did, um, as Catholicism was spreading, they would take... Um, you know, regional, uh, regional religions, holidays, and the celebrations of the different regions, and convert those celebrations along with the people. So the Catholic Church um, turned the whole Celtic dressing up as demons thing into what they called like All Souls Day, All Saints Day. Um, and then they kind of changed the dressing up as demons into dressing up as saints and angels. Um, as far as the actual trick-or-treating, in the Middle Ages, um, the poor and children would go up to people's houses, you know, go door-to-door on Halloween, essentially, um, and they would beg for food or money. And they wouldn't do tricks. They would sing songs. They would give prayers. Um a lot of the songs and prayers were on behalf of the dead. Uh, they called this souling and the children were soulers as in the soul inside your body. And they sing their soul out. Exactly. They sing their soul out for the dead. It's a good thing we weren't born back then. Cause no one would want to hear that. Mm, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, so trick-or-treating in that sense, it kind of went away in the Middle Ages. There was some um, resurgence in the 1800s, like the mid-1800s um, in England. Uh, it was kind of similar, bringing back souling. Um, but in the United States, it didn't really get big in the States again until the 1920s or so. Um, when it started again, uh, basically calling it trick or treat, uh, didn't come around. It came around first in Canada. That like term was first set in Canada in the early 1920s, uh, specifically 1923, um, a newspaper called the Saskatchewan leader post had a notation that said treats, not tricks were the order of the evening basically talking about halloween they're so nice i know <laughs> now in the u.s that phrase didn't really come about until the late 1920s um in that one was in november michigan's bay city times had a story um that i guess specified the fatal ultimatum of tricks or treats. So that was kind of the first instance in the U.S. of tricks or treats or trick or treating to be celebrated. Um, now, <laughs> with that, so apparently, um, you know, in like the 18th and 19th century, uh, as, you know, as people do, as religions kind of mix and as... Um, different customs kind of blend with other customs in the 1700s and the 1800s. There used to be, if you've watched the office, it's called Belschnickel. Um, it was called Belschnickling and it was not at all. I would have never thought you would bring the office into this. Well, I have done a very good job at not talking about supernatural. And here you are with your, Freaking office memorization and obsession. <laughs> but I have never heard of Belschnickel outside of the office. So I thought this was pretty pertinent. <laughs> you would. So for Belschnickling, basically what people would do is they would dress up. And, the, and again, this was at Christmas time. They'd dress up. And you would go door to door and you would perform tricks in exchange for food, drinks, treats. Um, occasionally, someone going door to door, Belschnickler, would on purpose frighten kids that live at the houses before um, asking if they could have a treat. Like if they had frightened them enough to get a treat. Um, Why would you want to give someone a treat if they make you piss down your leg? I mean, I guess if you're expecting it that day, it's like going on a roller coaster. Maybe they really wanted to be scared. Another thing you don't like doing. Right. I don't. You, you would not be giving any treats. <laughs> no. I would hide. I would hide that day. Um, in the, so part of the tricks and part of, it was more like, uh, if you think of um, the elf on the shelf, dumb little tricks that people have their elf on the shelf do. Uh, some of the tricks that people would do were rattling the windows. They would tie doors shut. Um, they would do goofy little tricks like that. And then it was kind of implied 
that the spirits had done the tricks as opposed to the uh, essentially trick-or-treaters. Um, and then some people, so that instead of, oh, you scared me, good job, here's a treat, that kind of converted to people just giving out their treats before getting tricked as a way to be like, you know what, here's your food, here's your candy, here's your soda or whatever, please don't trick me. <laughs> Hi, I already had a heart attack this year, so <laughs> we're going to say no and just give you candy. Yep. So, it's yeah, essentially it was trick-or-treating. That's kind of, I think, how the trick part came. It wasn't, what would you like, a trick or a treat? It was, give me a treat or I shall trick you. Um, apparently, some people got really adventurous with their tricks, uh, such as, you know, taking apart farm equipment and putting it back together on rooftops, apparently was something people would do. So it's kind of like a senior prank. Yes, a, a yearly senior prank on yeah. Halloween. Yes. <laughs> on Halloween, yes. Um, and then in the early 1900s, kind of, you know, around the time trick-or-treat was becoming like a phrase that was used, um, apparently people started getting very upset and had gone to the government to try to kind of enforce laws to get kids to not be jerks and make it a little bit less full of tricks. Um, now something to keep in mind is that, uh, there was no trick or treating really, uh, during World War II. There were sugar rations. I mean, really, there were everything rations. Um, and trick-or-treating really didn't come back until, like, the 1950s. And that's when uh, people were, you know, doing decorations. Um, you know, people were advertising for Halloween. And then that kind of brought back trick-or-treating. And it became uh, more about, you know, going door-to-door, -door, putting on a costume, and getting treats. Um, and this is around the time also that people started, you were able to purchase costumes, like pre-made costumes from the store. So as a child of the 80s, I remember being a Care Bear one year for Halloween with the creepy plastic mask. That you could not breathe through. That you could not breathe through. And then, like, I remember <laughs> the, like, body of the costume was, I feel like, was also some sort of plastic. Like, almost like a, like a, pl a plastic, um. Like, tablecloth, table almost. Yeah. yeah. Tablecloth. <laughs> That's the plain starch we all know and love. Um, so that was the 1950s is when, you know, pre-made costumes could be bought in stores and that's when they started um looking like popular characters uh, i saw some pictures of like a smurf one and i was like "Ooh, good I lord if you look at old halloween costumes i think every single one of them is really really creepy like my grandma always had extra like clothes upstairs in her I just hit my microphone because my nose itches really bad uh had always extra clothes like all my aunts and uncles homecoming dresses prom dresses spare pieces of fabric and we would always she'd be like oh you want a costume 
go upstairs, make it. And she'd make us be creative. And I remember she had the scoffer stuff and I was pebbles one year and she helped me put it together. There was another year I was a princess and she just had those like sheer scarves and it was like probably a prom or homecoming dress, which weren't all the fluffy whatever from the 80s, 60s and 70s and stuff like that. So it was like very just plain and it was blue and we made used paper I think to make a hat and then I stuck the sheer scarf in there and then I tied it to the bottom of the dress and tied it to my wrist and I was a ghost where I just put a sheet and put some holes in it and we just she's like you want to dress up for Halloween this is how you're gonna do it and that was probably more or less we were freaking dirt poor, so she made it into a fun thing since we couldn't afford that shit. There's something to be said for homemade costumes. I mean, as you know, my son has been a potato. Yes. A bowl, a bowl of mashed potatoes. He's got a real thing for potatoes, apparently. Uh, those are all things that you can't really go to the store and be like, let me grab that mashed potato costume so there's something to be said for homemade my son he'd be like volunteering at the library Skylar the oldest one would be volunteering to do the library stuff and do the little trunk or treat kind of thing for the kids and he wouldn't want to like dress up dress up Anyway, but uh, he would want those just stuffed animal kind of ones that you would wrap around them, you, and they'd be bibs. One year he was an airplane, another year he was a fish, and it wasn't where he was actually dressed up. Mm-hmm. It was just the little suspenders and the thing that wrapped around him, and he was like, this is what I am. That's like, effort. Good job. <laughs> At so, least he wore something. His first Halloween... We went to Oktoberfest in Northeast Wisconsin, and they were doing the little Japanese uh, pajamas for boys, like kids, and he got the little hat that had like a rat tail that hung off of it, and that's what he was for his first Halloween. (laughs) It was so cute, but he was done by the time it was trick-or-treating time, and he's just like, yeah, I want to go home. I don't like this anymore over it yep um well so kind of how you'd mentioned before taking candy from strangers and stranger danger um the urban myth about you know poison drugs and razor blades in um in candy kind of started around the 1960s um now i do i I didn't get a chance to look this up, but I do recall that I think it was the 80s or the 90s. There was actually a case where a a father uh, laced, I think it was pixie sticks, um, with a drug or with a like a poison, um, and ended up poisoning his own kids and then like the neighbor's kids. Um, it wasn't he trying to kill his whole family, though, like his wife and his kids? That I don't recall. That That's why I meant to look it up, and I completely missed the mark on looking it up. But it was, he had poisoned the pixie sticks, and I think it was to 
yeah, get rid of the kids and like frame it on somebody else or some sort of Munchausen by proxy. I don't fully remember the details, but I do remember that that was a thing. Um, there was also uh, in 1964 in New York, um, there were some headlines about a woman who thought that some trick or treaters were too old. And instead of just not giving them candy, she was giving them packages of dog biscuits, uh, poisonous ant bait, and steel wool. And that's what she handed out. So that seems to be like kind of the origin of the urban myth. And that's where, um, you know, kind of kids were told to not take candy that was unwrapped, not to take homemade treats or anything like that. Um, to only, yeah, only accept, like, manufactured, individually wrapped candy, which, of course, is amazing for candy manufacturers. Um, okay, I looked it up. The guy, it was in Pasadena, Texas. He, in October 31st, 1974, O'Brien and his family, with wife, son Timothy, ate daughter Elizabeth, five, had dinner with Jim Bates, his wife, and their children. And then they joined them for a hunt for candy. And they came running back a short time later with 22-inch pinsick sticks. And he stumbled on some rich neighbors who gave him the treats. He gave a giant straw to each of the three kids. And he later gave one to Bates' daughter, who stayed behind, and another 10-year-old boy from the O'Brien's church. And Timothy and Elizabeth's dad told the two could each have choose one piece of candy to enjoy. And they did take the Pixkey stick, which was filled with cyanide. And I think only his kids died. Yeah, it looks like only his kids died. And he wanted, he was in debt for $100,000. And his son had a $60,000 life insurance policy. Or the son and daughter had $60,000 worth of life insurance policies. So, 1974. And it wasn't his wife, it was just the kids. I thought it was the wife, too. Um, yeah, I think incidences like that really, um, kind of drive home the uh, don't, you know, don't take unwrapped treats, don't take homemade treats, which I personally think is just kind of a smart thing anyway. Um, cause you never know how people make things or, you know, like how clean their hands are, stuff like that, you know, yeah, razor blades and candy or in apples and, um, you know, people putting drugs or dropping LSD in kids' bags, um, that doesn't really happen. Someone actually, I saw someone made a, a good point that, uh, people who have drugs aren't generally going to give them away. Yeah. They're not going to pass them out willy nilly to kids because that costs a lot of money. <laughs> And they either sold all their stuff still to get it or sold their body or just desperately found a way to get this stuff most times. So why would they be like, oh, it's Halloween. Crap, I don't have any candy. 
uh, here, have some pills. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So, but that's trick-or-treating. That's kind of, um, you know, started out as a, a end-of-the-year Celtic tradition um, of dressing up to ward off or to hide from evil spirits or demons um, the Catholic Church kind of stole it and converted it to All Souls Day or All Saints Day, um, where similar, you dress up as saints, angels, demons, and that's kind of to ward off evil spirits or hide from them. Um, going door to door and, I guess, kind of begging, that started with poor people and children in the Middle Ages, and... Then, you know, in the 1920s, it kind of came back in more popularity, more as what we are used to seeing, where you either did tricks in exchange for candy, or homeowners would give candy in exchange to not be tricked. Um, And then, yes, and then after World War II, it became much more similar to what we have. Much more commercialized. Uh, much more commercialized. And then, yeah, after the 1960s, it was more about the commercial, individually wrapped, pre-made candy to avoid drugs and razor blades and poison. Everybody always ruins all the fun for everybody. What if I wanted to freaking pick up candy off the ground and eat it? Oh, that sounds gross. It It does, but you know. But now we have it where people are like, no, don't celebrate Halloween and it's the devil's holiday. And that's that's never been the original point of that. I I mean, yeah, that doesn't, I think, depending on who you're talking to, that was uh, my mom was one of the don't you dare celebrate Halloween because it's evil. But she thinks or thought everything was evil even the news so you can't really take that sort of stuff didn't you used to get flyers at your house um yeah there's somewhere there's a neighbor who uh will pass out we can never figure out which house it is but they'll pass out jesus tracts and uh they will also leave them in people's mailboxes so i've gotten a few of those it's because you're evil Mm mm-hmm I I must not be evil enough to get this stuff. It saddens me. Or you don't have my neighbor who thinks people want these things. Okay. Well, I hope somebody learned something new-ish. And now you know the history of trick-or-treating for your bony sode, which I'm officially calling it a bony sode. I'm stuck on it. It's staying there. Uh, you can find me on many places. We should have some of this information on the website. And I'm Teresa. And, and you I'm heard Heather. from. Yeah. Yeah, Heather. <laughs> and you had a lovely little episode with us where I wasn't all with it. So I let her read it. Be- re- See, I can't even talk. So that's why she did most of it. Because I'm retarded right now. I'm sad. And I hope you guys have a wonderful October. And it's not nearly as busy as mine since it falls like I'm doing three months in one month. And I hope you love to hear the traffic in the background of Heather because 
and my kids slamming crap around in the background with me because, you know, silence is not how that works. But have a wonderful day and a wonderful October. Thanks for having an episode with us because you are listening to I'm an episode. Nope. Son of a. I can English. I can. I lost my train of thought. I'm having an episode. <laughs> oh, she's criminal. Yes. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>